All right, good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we all doing today? I tell you what, man, I feel just like celebrating. Let me just highlight that we're having a Sunday fun day next weekend for the 4th of July. We will have food for you, water slides for the kids. You know why I do that, why we do that as a church is because my kids like coming to church. And when I was their age, I did not like coming to church. I'm not lying to you. That's really how I felt. And uh, so we're going to have a great time. If you're in town, I know it's the 4th of July weekend, but we will feed you. The kids can go down water slides. We'll have a great time of fellowship. And I'm particularly excited. I want to give a shout out to the Supreme Court of the United States this week. Uh, I am. People prayed for 50 years to see that take place. And it just tells me that God is in control. He's super sovereign. And when his people pray, he's got ears that hear. Amen. First Corinthians chapter four this morning, first Corinthians chapter four. I don't know about you. I have been in a super busy season. It just seems like I'm going, you know, one thing to the next, the next. And the difficult thing about summer, as you know, is that it just flies by too fast. Summer makes itself wings. You know what I'm saying? especially up here in Montana. So I have been praying about a particular concept. Uh, and I, I, last week I kind of dealt with a subject about the, the, the judgment that awaits people. And, and I've really been stirring about this concept of, of judging things. And like the word accountability, the word judgment, it evokes concern, man. People start sweating when they start thinking about words like that. So I felt like the Lord gave me a fairly unusual word, something I've never heard taught on, never taught on before. But I want to teach it to you. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4. I want to read the first five verses through our text here and then pray. Here's what the scripture says. He said, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. He said, With me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you in a hum- or a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, he said, judge nothing before the time, until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you for the word of God. I pray it would bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold in people's hearts. I pray for ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying. And I just pray for freedom to take place in people's minds as we deliver uh, the word of the Lord today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, as a pastor, um, I have been asked for advice, you know, countless times. And some of the most difficult questions for me to answer are when people ask me, you know, what the will of God is for them in a particular situation, what is for their life, what they're called to do. And, you know, it's tough enough sometimes to know the will of God for your own life or what you're specifically called to do. I have found that often the will of God or the call of God will reveal itself to you as you walk it out, as you begin to practice it and do it. It kind of begins to make sense. But, you know, there are some things that are difficult to discern. And, you know, it's difficult to discern maybe the age of a person because some people age differently than other people. Maybe it's difficult to discern if a lady is pregnant. Don't, don't ask me how I know that. Uh, it's difficult to discern what's going through someone's heart or mind or will or emotions at a given time. And so I felt like, you know, this is something interesting. Um, I want to highlight for you three things that are difficult 
to discern. You know, some things are not easy to figure out. And sometimes, you know, people feel like they got the market, you know, cornered on things. They, they feel like they have answers for everything. But I, that's not what my experience has been. There are times when, man, I really had to pray, what does it mean? <clears throat> you know, when Jesus was with his disciples, there was a man who was blind since birth. And they wanted to know who sinned, that man uh, or his parents. And Jesus said, neither one of them sinned. He healed him, he said, so the glory of God would be revealed. Uh, that, that was a bit of a mystery. It was a difficult thing to figure out. And if you have lived long enough in life, you know that there are certain situations that will just present themselves in a way that is like, you know, hard to figure out. Why did someone die prematurely? Why did you go through some trial or some pain or a hardship that you went through? And this is where you need the help of the Holy Spirit to help be discerning, figure out what to do. And that way you can judge with righteous judgment. That's what Jesus said. And so I want to highlight things that are uh, fairly difficult to discern. This is just something I felt the Lord put in my heart. And I, 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 Again, this is really unusual. I've never taught on something like this. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1. He said, let a man so consider us. Paul is talking about himself. He's talking about his ministry. He's talking about uh, his apostleship and, and ministers. He said, let a man consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. He said, moreover, in a steward, one must be found faithful. Now, the first thing that can be tricky for people to discern are ministers, men of God. Tricky subject, hard to evaluate. And the Bible says a spiritual man is discerned by nobody. And I, 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 I don't know how to describe this, but I do have the Lord on occasion speak to me in dreams. And he does it, you know, from time to time. And I did have a dream about a friend of mine who was in the ministry. I love the man. He's a dear brother. Um, I had a dream that his car ended up in a ditch, and he got in a wreck. And I, I told my wife about it the night before. Pay attention to that. But I love the guy. I was like, man, I, I just think that was too much pizza the night before, because that does happen. Not every dream you have is from the Lord. I put it out in my mind. I didn't think much about it. But some years ago, he ended up in that situation. He, he was removed from his ministry. Difficult things happen. You know, he's doing well. He's fine. But it was one of those things where, man, I don't know how to explain that. Like, why would that, the Lord show that to me? And, and oftentimes when that happens, I've just learned how to pray for people, because I have a lot of great friends and if you see something in someone's life, man, it's not to criticize or pick on them. It might be for you to pray for them. Uh, that's, that's how the word of wisdom or word of knowledge might operate. So, you know, that does happen to me on occasion. And I, I find that sometimes when you're evaluating a man of God or a minister, and Paul, Paul's saying, look, look at my life and evaluate it. You, you need to know how to pray for people in ministry. My personal observation uh, about ministers is that you can identify and discern how well a guy does, he said, if they're a servant of Christ. The question you got to find out, are they really a servant? Because by definition, the word minister or ministry, we could say if you're in any kind of spiritual leadership, any capacity where you have influence over people, what you need to be first and foremost is a servant of the Lord. That, that is like an extremely important thing. And that's what people are called to do. Jesus said that, you know, as believers, we should be able to uh, lead people without lording it over them, not like the Gentiles do, but by being a servant. 
And when you say yes to the Lord's call or you want to do something for him, it is a servanthood. There's something about it that has to be played out that way. But sadly, in today's world, it's almost like we've got a culture now where people don't, they're not always servants. And probably you've experienced that. Sometimes people really do end up abusing people in situations. And this is happening all throughout the church world. I mean, the Catholic Church has went through a, a real sex scandal with priests, and I respect the Catholic Church. I think it's a terrible situation. Right now, the Southern Baptists are really dealing with similar situations. It's making headlines. They're covered, they had some scandals that were covered up. I mean, these are things that people were really concerned about. It's, it's in various denominations. And so it, it's one of these things that people are aware of. They're looking at. And you know, we've also got a culture now that caters to celebrity. So if you've got some kind of influence or celebrity status, it just seems like sometimes people become abusive with the powers that they have. And when you see this play out, it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing. When someone is insecure or they're wounded or, or you know, maybe they're just not able to handle the authority that's given to them, they can end up you know, being abusive, power tripping. I mean, it's something for people to be aware of. So what I look for in a man of God is whether or not he's a servant. Now, how many of you heard my story about being up at the Woodbine campground? <laughs> the water was coming in. We were wet. My kids were screaming. It was a mad scramble to get everything cleaned up in our camper. And I was up there with Pastor Mike Ware. You know, he'd been in town. And I'll never forget that moment. He came over to me. He said very calmly, Jordan, is there anything that you need? Can I help you with something? And I, I kind of helped him. I said, can you do this? Can you do this? And once I got kind of caught up, I was like, all right, I think I got it. But his ability to stop what he was doing and help serve me in that situation, that meant the world to me. You know, that happened another time with my friend Tud Shuttlesworth. We went camping up there, and he spent the whole time putting stuff away from our campground, our kids. That is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for guys that I respect because they're servants. They're willing to be a blessing, stop what they're doing, and, and serve somebody. So that is part of the call of God on a person's life. And again, if you're serving in any capacity, the first thing you ought to be is a servant. He said, we should be considered servants of Christ in this first verse here, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Somebody say mysteries. Steward of the mystery. Here's another way you could evaluate a minister, and it has to do with how they handle doctrine mysteries of God. Some truths are mysterious. That's why the scriptures say you got to rightly divide the word of God. And the Bible describes itself as a sharp two-edged sword. Because I'm telling you, some things can cut both ways, and it's a fine line sometimes between what is true and what is an error. And the way I've discovered it is you really have to look at things with a balanced approach. Uh, otherwise, you might end up on a tangent somewhere overemphasizing something. I think that you know we've seen various situations where people might get off on doctrines because they're overemphasizing particular truths. They're overemphasizing something, and it might lead to confusion. And that doesn't mean people are bad people. I mean, I've got friends that I love dearly. They love Jesus, but I do think they might be off on a particular doctrine. And you know what's great is sometimes you can even talk to people and just reason with them, and I, I do appreciate that. But I'm always trying to be aware of what is true and what is not true. Because the scripture says it about that stuff. I was telling one of my buddies, you know, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. The scripture says that Judas went out and hung himself. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. And then he said, what you do, do quickly. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes with the Scripture, you have to know how to handle it effectively and wisely. Uh, gone are the days of heretics and, and like, like Gnosticism and Modism and, and, and some of the things that people got carried off on in, in the first few centuries of the church. I think that the modern heresy we have today is when people are ambiguous or vague about things. They're, they're not able to clearly define what it means to repent. Instead, they use words like tolerance and we've got to love people. And that's only half the message. I mean, that is true, but there's a whole other side of the gospel. And it's like our, our pendulum has swung so far over into grace that people are unwilling or afraid to address truth. And, and that's, that's really kind of you know, one of the plights of the culture we're in. He, he said here, stewards of the mysteries of God. One of the most mysterious things I have discovered is when a, a minister can operate in an incredible gift. Like they, they might have spiritual gifts take place. They've got great gifting for the ministry. And yet... It's like they might have a sinful lifestyle, and God still uses them powerfully. That, that is a mystery in how that happens. And I think it's because, you know, when God gives people gifts and callings, it's irrevocable. It's without repentance. It's according to His sovereignty. He gave you a gift. He, it's without strings. It's part of who you are. But it is a mystery to me when I see someone operating in a powerful gift, and yet they might have... A, some particular area in their life that's a problem. Might be a control issue, or they're manipulative, can't handle money. I'm telling you, I have seen it. It is mysterious. He said in the second verse, moreover, it is required in stewards. That would be ministers, because that's what ministry is. It's a stewardship that you are responsible for. That one be found faithful. Here's what I look for in evaluating men of God. Here's what I would look for in evaluating a boss that you work with someone in a position of authority, whether or not they are faithful. Faithfulness matters to God. Are they faithful to the assignment given them? And I think this is probably one of the biggest qualifications a guy can look for. Will they do the little things? That's what Jesus said, faithful with little things, and I will make you ruler over many things. And that little bit of faithfulness goes a long way. Evidently, God... Uh, he, he admires faithfulness more than he admires gifting. He's looking at a person's character. He's looking to see about little things that are done. And those little things that you do are the things that are actually going to set you up for fruitfulness and success later in your life. So I, I, I just felt like that's what the Lord put on my heart. It is a difficult thing sometimes to discern men of God, people in leadership, how you should handle them. The Bible actually speaks quite a bit on the subject, but I thought... That Man, that, that is an interesting thing to think about. Some things that I've been walking through this week and praying about, the Lord put that on my heart. Now I'm going to give you something even more tricky. Here, here's another very difficult thing to discern. Verse 3. He said, but with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you. Or in fact, he said, by a human court. And he's, he made the statement that I've always been super intrigued with. He said, in fact, I don't even judge myself. For he said, I know of nothing against myself. He said, my conscience is clean, but I'm not justified by this. He who judges me is the Lord. You want to know what's really difficult to discern? Sometimes it's discerning yourself. I mean, this is tricky, but I have discovered just how freeing it can be. What Paul is not saying, he's not saying, I don't ever take inventory of my life. I don't ever evaluate what I'm doing. This is the same man, the Apostle Paul, who in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians said that if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. 
And in the book of Corinthians, if you know anything about it, he's passing judgment on all kinds of situations. He's telling them that you shouldn't be caught up in sexual immorality in chapter 5. He's specifically confronting people who are caught up in perversion. In chapter 11, he's addressing how to handle the Lord's Supper. In chapter 12, he's talking about evaluating spiritual gifts. I mean, he's passing judgment on a number of different things. One of the most freeing things that I have discovered in life is when I have discovered what I call blind spots. Like you're driving down the road, and you can't see there's a car behind you because it's in what's called the blind spot. And as people are driving through life, everybody's got certain blind spots where they may not be able to see certain things about themselves, certain things that might hinder you or hold you back. You may not be aware. Now, I'm 41, and over my short 40 years, I have now discovered I have had a few blind spots in my life. One of them that I recently discovered is that I have a big mouth. And it, my family did try to warn me about it. But I, and I felt like I made real good strides, particularly the last five, six years of maturing and growing. That was something that, man, I mean, I had to figure out the hard way sometimes. One of the blind spots I've had is that I tend to overvalue or overemphasize what people might think or their, their abilities. I, I, it's like I overestimate a person's ability, what they can do, what I think they should think or about me, you know? And, and that's been, that, that has been something I've really had to, you know, figure out. I'll tell you another blind spot that God is really showing me recently. It's that sometimes I am too hard on myself. I get like way too down on myself. And I found there's ditches either way. There's a ditch if you never evaluate yourself and take inventory and work on something. And you're not aware of yourself at all. You have no self-awareness. And there's another ditch when you are way too hard on yourself about something. And if you're not careful, you can fall into one of those things. This is what makes discerning yourself such a tricky thing. Here's the hardest part. He said in verse 4, I know of nothing against myself. He's saying in one translation, my conscience before the Lord is clean. But just because your conscience is clean does not mean that your conscience is infallible. There's a great verse in the book of Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. He said, the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. In other words, your own heart sometimes can lead you astray. And you might miss it and not even realize it. it this happened to me a couple years ago. I had been asked by uh, the JCs, who's a, he's a local group of business people, to do a prayer at Christmas at, at the park right across from Central High School. And I did it. The first year was great, man. I prayed over the city. They were so impressed. They thought I did such a great job. They had asked me if I'd go back. And I, I said, yeah, you know, and they laid out kind of what they wanted. And, and I, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I was on a three-day fast, and I was praying. And, man, I had been meeting with a bunch of area pastors, and we'd been praying about human trafficking over the city of Billings. So I put that in as one of my prayers over the city of Billings. I, I explained, you know, that as pastors, we're meeting about this, and that did ruffle some feathers the wrong way. They felt like it was inappropriate to do that. And man, I, I struggled with that. I felt very embarrassed. I'm just being transparent. It wasn't like my intention to stir that up. It wasn't something I meant to do. But in hindsight, maybe maybe I could have saw that from a different light. But in the same token, I'd been praying and fasting. That was on my heart. And he, here's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm sure grateful that I don't have to figure that out. God is ultimately my judge. And that is what Paul is saying right here. He's saying human judgment is really overrated. 
In fact, your own judgment on something might be overrated. I know some of you all think that you have everything figured out. But it might just be that it, you might have an area where you don't understand all the signs. And Paul is simply saying, I'm going to keep doing my ministry. I'm going to go the best that I can. I am not going to let an opinion stand in the way of what I'm trying to accomplish for God. That's a very freeing thing. What's been freeing for me is understanding the older I get, the less I care about what people think. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's crazy getting older. You don't care as much. That's why my grandma says some of the craziest things. She does not care. <laughs> that, that's a wonderful, freeing thing. Ultimately, God is the one who judges. He sees hearts. He knows what's going on. He's able to evaluate that. And let me remind you, he's, not, he's also a just judge. Like, you can trust him completely and fully, and ultimately with God, his justice is going to prevail. That's the picture the Bible paints. He is going to have his way. He's impartial and fair, and trust me, he's got the ability to sort everything out. That's why this week I was so grateful about the Supreme Court. And I looked at, I'm one who believes in the sanctity of life. That's clearly in the scriptures in my mind. And I looked at the situation and how God, in my mind, answered the prayers of his people praying and turned wickedness around. His justice will prevail in situations, man. And when I think about America, it's so hard. I said last week, you know, I feel like the Lord is, is chastening us as a country in some ways. But I, I'm telling you, if you can look at things with righteous judgment, God loves America. And I don't believe that, you know, that, that you know, it's like he loves us. See, I think he's going to do something great in this nation. I'm praying for that. I'm crying out for that. I know many people are doing that. I think the Lord's got one great move of God up his sleeve in our history, and I am crying out for that because I'm appealing to a just God in heaven. And he's just. He sees with righteous judgment. Sometimes it's hard to discern what's going on in the hearts and minds of people, what's, and, and specifically what's going on in your own heart. But God is the one who ultimately is the judge in that matter. Amen? Tricky. Hard to figure that one out. Let me give you a third thought that is challenging. He said in, in verse 5, uh, we should judge nothing before the time. Someone say the time. Which he tells us here is until the Lord's coming. Who it says will bring both to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of hearts. He said then each one's praise will come from God. Here is something really tricky to evaluate. It's how you will be evaluated in the light of eternity. Here he said we should not judge things before the time. And he's talking about before the Lord when you give an account. I mentioned this last week. You're going to give an account for the things that you've done in your body and your life, which evidently appears or happens around the time of his coming, somewhere in there. I think we could say that this judgment takes place in the middle of the tribulation, Revelation chapter 11. I think I could prove that from the scripture. Sometime in that coming, around that time, you're going to give an account of the way that you've lived life. That is what the scriptures indicate. Here's the challenging thing about this. Eternal realities, eternal truths, are really hard for finite human minds to comprehend and grasp. It's like you need a revelation from the Lord I thank God that we have truth from the Scripture. Concepts like heaven, concepts like hell, those are eternal things, which when you are on this side of life, it's hard to fathom what all that means. It's hard to fathom what 
eternal rewards are going to look like. It's hard to understand the concept. But as I understand it, you and I are going to be evaluated in our life based on a couple things from this verse. He said, first of all, he's going to bring to light the hidden things of darkness. What this means to me is that when you're judged in eternity, when you stand before him, it's like you're going to be judged or rewarded based upon the satanic strategies that were sent against you. Hidden things of darkness that maybe you didn't comprehend or know were working against you. Because what happens is sometimes when you have a difficult situation, uh, one translation calls it a hidden thing of shame. When there's a work that was against you or something bad took place, a lot of times you're not even aware it may have been a spirit working against you. I'll tell you how this happened in my life, how, how I discerned some of this. Because when I was about four years old, I, I can't even explain why. I had a fascination with alcohol. It was like, man, I wanted to try it. I wanted to drink. I, I was four. And I, I can only explain that by a demonic assignment sent against me. And somehow that's just kind of what was there. And by the grace of God, he delivered me and set me free. I thank God for Jesus and his work on the cross. I mean, I, was telling, I haven't had a drink since May 16, 1998. Some people can drink, and it's fine. And that's not the case with me. I don't drink. I found out if I don't drink, I can't get drunk. So the Lord delivered me. There was an assignment against me. I'll tell you another thing that happened to me like that was I had the hardest time handling money when, in my early years. And, you know, it was like I had to learn some hard ways, some mistakes, and, and the Lord really did show me a generational curse that was operating right there. I had to really stand against that, get my mind renewed, and God delivered me out of that. Those were demonic assignments working against me. You may not even be aware of some of the assignments working against you. Maybe that's why you're caught up with you know, the thought of an adultery, or it could be an addiction that you're facing. It might even be the evil, mean things people speak against you, and it hurts so hard, and you can't figure out why it bothers you so much, and it could be a spirit that's trying to work against you. You know, it was so amazing this last week. Is man, we had a great time at VBS. Anyone get your kids out for vacation Bible school? Man, we were jumping around, we were hollering, we had great people. We went around the building, it was so much fun. I had a great time, but you know, we went through some of the most intense spiritual warfare to get VBS up and going. It blew my mind some of the situations that I was faced with, how it came about. Evidently, the devil doesn't like it when you get the word of God sown in the hearts of little children. But boy, it was something else. And I'm grateful. It's fruitful. By the way, it's not too late. We're going every Wednesday night at 630 for the next three weeks. If you got little kids, bring them on down. We'd love to march around the building with them and, and uh, give them sugar, <laughs> teach them the word of God. <laughs> Man, we had, a, we had a great time. Yeah. But that you're going to be evaluated in the light of attorney on how you handled assignments sent against you. Maybe you didn't even know they were there sent against you. Let me give you another thing you'll be evaluated by in this verse. He said he'll bring to light the hidden things of darkness. And it says he revealed the counsels. And if you look at that word counsel, it literally means motives of the heart. So God will judge you based upon motives in your heart, the inward intents of your heart, the secret desires and drives that you have for things, whether they're good or whether they're bad. He's able 
to see them. He, he looks at the heart, the Scripture says. He sees things in secret because he understands that what's in your heart is actually the thing that's driving you to do particular things. And boy, the Lord from time to time has had to correct me on things. I'm sure grateful for it. I'm grateful that you know he's able to uh, highlight me, speak to me, a rebuke from God might actually be one of the most blessed things you've ever experienced. I've had him highlight agendas I've had, attitudes I've had over the years. I've had him deal with me. I am grateful for when he does that. It speaks truth to me. Because when I appear before him, I want my work to stand as purified gold. I want it to be refined before him. And you might be surprised to find that people may have built enormous businesses, enormous ministries. They may have had incredible things only to find that their motives were impure. That could be a shock for some people on Judgment Day. But the Scripture says that He looks at the very secret things of your heart, and those are the things that will be evaluated by Him in eternity. This is what matters to God. In other words, you're going to be rewarded based upon how Christ-like you became. How much of Jesus did you manifest in your life? Yeah. And then it says, then each one's praise will come from God. Here's a way we can evaluate how you'll be rewarded. You're going to be rewarded or you're going to be evaluated based on the rewards that were given to you. The rewards. I've often mentioned it, you know, there's five crowns in the Bible, different crowns, a soul winner's crown, there's crowns for people looking for the Lord's return, crowns for people who are patient. Uh, those are rewards. There's, there's rewards in heaven that exist in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians that says you're going to reflect the very glory of God. I mean, when you became like him, it's like you become a mirror and you reflect who he is. Man, that, that is incredible what that's going to be like. Uh, sometimes people have this idea that eternity is going to be sort of like a cosmic killjoy. Like it's going to be one really, really long, boring church service. But that's not what eternity is going to be like. Revelation 22 and verse 4 says, In eternity, his servants will be serving him. I don't know what all we'll be doing. But he's got some things for us to do. Here's a mystery from the Scripture. It's in the same book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It tells us that you and I are going to be judging angels in heaven. Now that is a mystery. I don't fully understand what that means. It is better, it sounds to me, that's better than a middle management job at Walmart somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, to be able to oversee angelic... Ba- I, that's incredible. That's quite a thought. I guess what this tells me is you've got to learn how to run your race, live your life, with an eternal perspective. Because that will keep you centered. That will keep you moving forward. That will keep you running. That is how you evaluate the light of eternity. I'm going to keep going. Now, I I, I tell you something. I I like to be transparent. So last week, I had a rough Sunday. I don't know. I just, I was feeling down on myself. I I think it could have been some of the warfare I was dealing with with Vacation Bible School. I, I, I honestly, I was kind of struggling. I felt like, man, this is kind of for the birds, man. Just... I was, I was having a tough time. I found myself over at my grandma's house. Grandma's 98. And my grandma's been a great supporter of mine. She's always encouraging me. And, you know, I found myself tearing up. I don't, I don't cry often. I don't cry much. But I was tearing and talking to my grandma. Grandma said to me, she said, you know, I'm 98. And it went by so fast. She's like, it just, it, it's like I can't believe I'm 98. How, how fast that went. And so she said, this is a temporary thing. And you should just keep going because before you know it, you'll be old and your life will have flown away. 
So her point was just staying with us because it, it doesn't last forever. It's things you go through. And you know, that, that comforted me. That freed me so much. That one little nugget, that one bit of perspective. And I don't know about the race you're running. I, I don't know, you know what things you might struggle with on a given day, but if we were to weigh the word of the Lord that we brought today this morning, I guess I would ask you, is, you got to be careful who you're sitting under in churches and who you're listening to, preaching to. Because you drink from the spirit of a person who's, who's, sing, who's preaching to you. I mean, you might get insights. I feel like in the church world today, man, that there is a lot of junk food that's being eaten by people. I mean, you want to be able to hear the meat of God's word. You want to be able to know how to evaluate people. I, I say that because I, when I look for people that I want to minister with, I, I feel like I'm getting better at picking out guys that I connect with, cream of the crop type people, people whose mission is on track, people who are servants. And I'm looking for that. I want to learn from them. I want to glean from them. I want that in my life. Or it might be this morning that uh, you're going to have to understand there's situations that ultimately God is the one who's got to judge those things. He's the judge. And you could try to figure them out. You could think you have it. But sometimes it just requires resting and knowing he will figure the situation out. I don't have to have everything figured out. I can trust him. I don't want to get caught up in a ditch where I'm too hard on myself or a ditch where I can't really, you know, take any inventory or responsibility for my actions. He's the judge. Man, that's a freeing thing. And I want to run my race. How many of you want to finish your race and run strong? Man, I want to go after him. I'm telling you, it, the Bible is calls life a vapor. And it says that before you know it, it's like gone. It goes... And I, I want to finish well. I want my life to count. I want, I, I, want, I want purpose to be reached. And I want to pray that over you. I want to pray that we run well and strong. Father, we thank you this morning. I pray, Lord, for people with eyes to see, ears to hear, and discerning hearts and minds to know what the Lord is saying to them today. And I pray, Lord, those hidden secret things in our hearts, blind spots, I pray you reveal them. I, Lord, I pray that prayer before you all the time as a leader. I want you to be able to look into the hidden recesses of my heart and see things. And I just pray over every person here. God, I pray that same thing, hidden things that we don't know about, activities. Maybe it's a spirit sent against us. God, I pray you reveal them, things that we may not even know. I pray it would deliver people. I pray, Lord, for bondages to break in their minds. Now, God, I thank you for delivering and setting us free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, Ashley, if you don't mind, will you stand up? I had a really great time. She came and helped us clean up uh, some flood victims' homes yesterday. That was a blessing. And Ashley, as, as I was working with you and watching, uh, here's what I felt the Lord put on my heart. Here's what I saw. I saw condemnation being broken off of you. James, will you put your hands on her? And the reason I saw it, Ashley, is because I walked through it. I know what it's like to be too hard on yourself in situations. And, and I'm telling you, the Lord is going to set you free and deliver you from that. That's a spirit sent against you. And it's working in your mind. And I know it because I've, I've overcome that thing. So I want you to reach a hand out to Ashley. This thing's going to break in Jesus' name. Lord, I just thank you for your grace and your love and your affirmation. God, I pray right now over her mind, a healing, a whole mind. We say there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Every lie that says she's inadequate, inferior, is a lie of the devil. 
and we put the we expose the light on hidden things. And I thank you for a woman who's going to run her race stronger and harder and finish it than she's ever had. I, I pray, Lord, great wings to carry you and, and, and a race to run with vigor and fervor in the name of Jesus. This thing's broken off of you. That assignment of the enemy is broken in the name of Jesus. And I, ooh, I thank you for many, many, many fruitful years and a beautiful future that God has for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ashley. I felt like tearing up on that one too, man. God loves his people. You know that? You know what's amazing is that heaven is described as a courtroom. And, and it describes God as the judge. He's the judge of the universe. And in the courtroom, you know, you've got prosecuting attorneys, attorneys and you've got defense attorneys. And defense attorneys, that's what my dad said. He, he liked being a defense attorney because he said it pays more. <laughs> Uh, in the Bible, Satan is depicted as the prosecuting attorney. He's hurling accusations at you. All your flaws, all your sins, all your failures. And if you don't think you have any, trust me, the devil's got a record. Jesus, on the other hand, is called your advocate. He is that defense attorney. He's the one who said, yeah, he's guilty, but I paid the price. And he gets to present that before the judge. The judge... The father. Here's what he says. He says, the devil has voted against you, but Jesus has voted for you. And he's given you the chance to make the deciding vote. And I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. If, if you're not right with the Lord, if you feel like there's accusations that you can't answer because you haven't trusted in the blood of Jesus, I want to give you a chance to get right with God. I want to give you a chance to put your faith in Jesus and his finished work and the blood of Jesus. So you can know heaven's my home and I can stand before the judge of the universe free of guilt, condemnation, and shame. Yeah, so if that's you this morning, I'd like you to put a hand up. Give your heart to the Lord, get it right with God. Nothing is better than that. Nothing is better than walking with Him. That's what we sang, there's nothing better than you. Yeah. Yeah, let's pray. Say, Father, thank you for forgiving me my sin. Come into my heart. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse my conscience. I receive your atonement in Jesus' name. Now, maybe you prayed that prayer and you're sincere. Man, I'd love to talk to you after the service. I believe God's got incredible, incredible things ahead for your life. Hmm. Let's stand up this morning. You know, I just feel God's presence. I feel like, I feel like there's some things in your life that the light is going to shine on. Hidden things, secret things of darkness, secret things you're not... And you might be embarrassed about him, but it is the mercy of the Lord and his goodness to reveal them because he wants to set his people free and deliver them from sin. Amen. And I sense that. I sense like the light of eternity bearing down on you this week. So if you see something, here's my advice to you. Don't fight God. Sometimes the best thing to do is just receive openly what he has for your life. Glad you came out to church this morning. If you want prayer, we're here for you. I want to challenge you to invite someone out next week. We're having a great time. Water slides in the back. It'll be so much fun. Man, it's going to be great. And we got VBS going on. So I need one more favor. If you want prayer, we got prayer for you. But I need some men to clear out the first four verses of the chairs. First four rows. Not verses, rows. I've been preaching too long. If you would stack up the chairs, the first four rows, not the back three, the first four, and put them off to the side, or stack them up, that would be great. So, all right, man, we love you all.